Break the Ice podcast is presented by Superfood. Superfood Performance Nutrition has made a name for itself by feeding athletic organizations like the Washington Capitals both on and off the ice. If you have a high-performance team that needs fueling, check out mysuperfd.com for more information. Everyone, Mike Vogel here for WashingtonCaps.com with another episode of our Break the Ice podcast. Joined today by Caps assistant coach Mitch Love, hired, what, I guess June, mid-June, a couple weeks after Spencer Carberry was named the the head coach for the Caps uh, going into the season. So, Mitch, first off, congratulations on on the gig. Uh, Thanks for spending some time with us. And let's start with how your summer went, moving family moving mm. uh, you know all your possessions and everything down here um development camp and you know just trying to get familiar yeah. with uh, the guys that you're going to be coaching should mention that you'll be responsible for for the the blue liners the, the yeah. washington defense corps this season yeah it's been uh it's been a whirlwind here to be honest with you mike um you know from the time i got hired uh by the capitals um you know transporting stuff from Calgary into the DC area here. And, uh, you know, um, family commitments during the off season, my daughter lives with her mother in uh, in the Seattle area. So I try to get down there a little bit in the summer to watch her and her activities. She just turned 10 about a month ago. Um, so she's, uh, she's not getting any younger, just like her dad. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Uh, it's such a great organization. Um, obviously, the success this team's had for a long, long time now. Uh, to be a part of that, uh, it's a great honor. And, and for me personally, just and my family, it, it's a dream. You know, I uh, never got to the National Hockey League as a player, and to be a part of it as a coach now, uh, it's always been a goal of mine. Uh, we got a great staff here, obviously a great bunch of players, and uh, I'm just looking forward to getting going. And we had Spencer here uh, last week, and you know he grew up in Victoria, British Columbia. You grew up in British Columbia as well, albeit quite a bit north of there. Is it Keenell? Is that is that how it's pronounced? Well, the S is silent, and it's Quinell. Quinell, uh, yeah, gotcha. small town. Um, I always explain to people that uh, it's near Prince George. If anybody knows where Prince George, yeah. uh, British Columbia, is, about an hour there. south there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I'm proud to be uh, a Quinell boy. And and what was it like growing up there? It seems like it's it's a pretty mountainous. Uh, I wouldn't say it's remote, and it's a decent sized town for yeah. given given the towns that that surround it. It seems like, but you know, what was it like growing up there? Um, I guess you played locally, and who you, who'd you root for? Who were the players that you you followed? Uh, who were in the NHL when you were a kid? Yeah, you know, Quinell's a it's a mill town. Uh, lumber uh, really relies on that industry there. Um, my father worked in uh, in a pulp mill up there. Uh, for years and um, you know a blue-collared community um, you know I was, I was there till I was 15 years old you know so grew up playing hockey when I was on the ice at three to, to 15 and then I uh, you know I moved myself uh, my family you know I decided to you know to advance my hockey career and try to make the jump to junior a or, or major junior uh, I needed to get out of the small town and I went to Notre Dame College in uh, Wilcox Saskatchewan yeah. um, and kind of grew my my game as uh, as a player there but probably more importantly as a young man I was on my own living in a dorm um, you know eating at the cafeteria every day and going to school and 
and uh, it really I, I felt helped me uh, going into junior hockey, but also in in this path where I'm at here and now in terms of growing as a as a human being. Yeah, it's got to mature you pretty quick yeah, to, does, at that yeah. age to uh, to be uh, experiencing all that. And obviously, the Notre Dame program is is known as 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 one of the really good jumping off points to get to junior. And I mean, we talk all the time about guys like Connor Bedard. And, Connor McDavid and guys that get these exemptions to play in the CHA at CHL at, at young ages, but you actually played in the Western League for Moose Jaw a couple of games yep. at the age of 15, and you were regular with Moose Jaw more. I think 60 games at the age of 16. Yep. I mean, what was that like? That was a pretty rough and tumble league in in that day. What what was it like for you to step in on that Moose Jaw team? Both, both in terms of how you were received and yeah. and and what it was like to be on the ice. Yeah, it was kind of wild. Um, you know, I, again, growing up in Quinnell, it was junior hockey. That's uh, that's what I grew up watching. Um, and then the you know Victoria Cougars moved to to Prince George in the Western Hockey League. So, you know, my my father would take me up there for games. Uh, you know, Tuesday night, Friday night, whatever the case may be, to check out a game. And I kind of remember telling my dad like. Yeah, I want to play in the Western Hockey League. You know, there was the options for kids at that age was different than it is now. Um, you know, but I love the crowds and you know the new buildings compared to the Junior A uh, product in in British Columbia at the time. And you know, so I I kind of focused in on that, and that was kind of my driving force as a player was I wanted to play in the WHL. Went to Notre Dame. Uh, went to Moose Jaw's camp as kind of a free agent. I was I was never drafted into the Western Hockey League. Um, you know, had a good camp, went to Notre Dame that year, played Bantam hockey, and then ended up as a 16-year-old coming back to Moose Jaw's camp and, and making the team, unexpectedly, to be honest with you. Um, you know, so it was, it was interesting. It's it's small world how this hockey world works, but uh, one of the veteran players on that team was Brian, Brian Sotheby. Sotheby. So, you know, Suds and I uh, obviously became close. He was a little bit older, but great mentor uh, for me as a young player there. Um, followed his obviously his career and, and here we are again uh, 20 years later or more than that now so um, yeah it was a tough league to play in you know it was a tough league you, you had to you know you had to stick up for yourself um, I, I wasn't a great player I was a stay-at-home defenseman that um, tried to play the game honest and and you know protect my teammates when needed needed to but that was kind of a way you had to survive in, in that era of hockey and um uh, you know, and kind of bounced around the Western Hockey League, and I'm sure we'll get into that here shortly. Yeah, exactly. And and you you get traded, I guess, to to uh, Swift Current, mm-hmm. and your first full season in Swift Current, pretty pretty big leap in the in the penalty minute totals. I don't know if that record still stands, but it's 327 minutes, and and that's I think just a Swift Current record, yep. and 40 fights, and and these weren't just like fights against random dudes either, like. Derek Bugard's on that that yeah. that dance card. Uh, David Kochi, Tyson Strack, and Braden Coburn. These are big boys. Yeah. I'm guessing you're like six foot, one ninety, one ninety five or so. Some of, you're giving up like six or eight inches and fifty pounds or so yeah. to some of these guys. How did you come about the the pugilistic skills? And and how hard is it to to fight guys of that size when you when you're on blades? Yeah, it's. Uh, Again, I wasn't a very good player, so you know I had to try to find a certain skill set that I felt um, allowed me to survive in terms of the league at that time. But also, 
during that time, it was a chance for me to um, showcase my skill set in that area and, and possibly advance my career to the next level, whether it was American Hockey League or National Hockey League. And I think, um, you know, you, you get into that scenario, you, you start to earn a bit of a reputation. So, you know, how it was uh, back in the day that you, that was what you had to do. Um, I do, I do, and even as a coach now, I take a lot of pride in, in being a good team guy, uh, whether it's a staff or for the players, and and that's what I was as a player, and and so you know, was forty fights probably uh, one too many. Probably my mom would tell me that back in the day. Hey, you don't need to be doing that all the time. Um, but that was again, I was trying to get noticed as a young player to the scouts in the National Hockey League, and um, you know, but the game's changed probably for the right now. But how do you fight a guy who, who, you know, has that much reach on you and, and that much of a size advantage? Well, I think as I evolved as, as a player in the Western League and then uh, obviously into the American League um, where I kind of carried that, that reputation on as a player, you know, you do, you do your homework. Um, you know, there was YouTube at the time. So, yeah. you know, we were able to hop on YouTube and, and kind of see, you know, guys' tendencies, almost like a pre-scout, really, as a coach even. Um, you know, and, and so I, I was trying to I, – I was strategic uh, in terms of utilizing my, my – I, I do have long arms for a smaller guy, yeah. so I tried to, you know, put guys at bay a little bit, uh, protect my face and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, a lot of the times it was really spur of the moment. I always felt as a player that – I wasn't just going to fight to fight. It was a it was a, a momentum changing moment potentially, or it was a chance for me to stick up for a teammate. Uh, and I think there's a, you know there's a certain skill and, and a hockey IQ thing that comes along with that, and that's what I try to take pride in when I was in that role. And there's a lot of value in that too, especially in that, like you said, that the game's not played that way anymore. But uh, at that time, there there was a lot of value in it, and it's it's reflected in. The demand for for those those kind of players at at all levels yeah. of the game back then, and then you finished out your your Western League career in Everett, which was kind of the beginning of a long association with that that franchise, and and you could see too that your game was was picking up in in other areas as well as as you were getting to Everett, and you had a nice playoff run there. Yeah. Uh, I think I read that you're the only guy in Everett Silver Tips history to have his number retired. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I mean. How did that come about? Because I think you only played there two, the last two seasons. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, you know, I got I got traded at the expansion draft that year whenever it moved there 20 years ago. And, um, uh, you know, we had a coach by the name of Kevin Constantine, yeah. who I'm sure you're familiar with. He was our first coach in franchise history there. And, you know, a big thing for him in, in terms of when I got to that franchise, it was like, hey, we, we need to evolve you as a player. And, and Kevin's an elite hockey mind and, uh, you know, was just fresh, kind of, you know, fairly fresh coming to the National Hockey League as a coach. We had a ton of respect for him. And, you know, we, we put a lot of focus into being a better player. And, and you know, I basically had a two-year window there where I, I – this was it. It was either I was going to evolve myself as a player and, and get a chance in, in the National Hockey League as a young prospect or – I was going to go to Canadian University, which is, a, is allotted to you as a, as a player coming through Major Junior. So I, I did a lot of focus on, you know, again, the, the pugilistic side of things was there. You know, I, I, I was a captain. I, I, I knew what I needed to do for my team uh, at, at those times, but I also wanted to be a better hockey player, and, and Kevin was a big part of that. Um, 
And so, you know, I went through there, and then, you know, you, you go through the American Hockey League as a player after I signed a free agent contract with Colorado and bounced around the American League a little bit and then ended up back uh, as an assistant coach when my career was done and uh, spent seven years there. And so, you know, from the time I was there at 19 till the time I was, you know, in my early 30s when I when I left to, to coach in Saskatoon, you know, I spent 15 years there. In my off-seasons, I would train there. Off-seasons, I started a young family. Uh, with my ex-wife and and you know so I, I became a little bit of a, a citizen of Everett and I think that kind of led to probably a little bit more or less uh, my jersey being retired I, you know again I didn't have the NHL career like some of the players that have come through that franchise but I spent a lot of time in that community I I, I did a lot of charitable things uh, got to know a lot of good people and and I think uh, it's a blue collar community and and I'm blue collared and you know it was a it was a nice match a uh, nice match for us. And you did clearly find that sweet spot between being, you know, a valuable guy on the ice, but dialing back the uh, the fisticuffs just just enough. I mean, the threat was still there. Obviously, the reputation was was still there. Um, so I think you just answered one of my questions. If if you hadn't turned pro, you'd have gone to Canadian University. You think to. Uh, yeah. Continue playing. Yeah, I would utilize my you know free yeah. education there, and you know, I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> to be honest with you, I know there was times I I wanted to be a, a police officer and and probably go to school. You know, try to utilize that that schooling package they have there. But you know, it's funny how this thing uh, works. You you know, you get evolved. Uh, I ended up again. I I didn't think I was ever going to play in the American Hockey League or, or get an NHL contract as a free agent and. So you kind of change your path, and then I had some injury problems at the end of my pro career, and, and, you know, the only education I really had was the game of hockey and wanted to stay involved and was fortunate enough to get hired by Doug Sotard, again, who was my GM, was a player in Everett, and, and uh, you know, was kind of started my coaching career, so I owe him a lot as well. And I think you and Kevin crossed paths again later in your AHL career at, at Houston, too, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. But I think you, you when you look at the guys that you played for in the American League – I mean, a lot of them, uh, Tom Rowe, Joe Sacco, yep. Kevin Constantine, a lot of them either have coached in the NHL since or had coached there, there previously. So, I mean, it seems like I think you spent five, six seasons in the AHL. Like you said, most of it, the, the beginning part there with yep. Colorado, but you hopped around from city to city because they changed affiliations yep. in there. But um, it just seems like, you know, when I look back at, at your, your playing career, um, you played, you played D. You played forward late in your career. You had a, a wide variety of experiences in terms of who coached you, who you played with, systems, cities, locations, all that kind of stuff. It just seems like everything sort of fell into place for you where you, in trying to get to the NHL as a player, had really put together a nice little resume for yourself yeah. um, when you stepped into to the assistant role in Everett. Yeah, no, it was, you know, again, I felt as a player going through the American League, it's such a good league. And, and so I had an opportunity, like you said, it was free education for me as yeah. a player to, to learn from coaches uh, like Kevin, uh, Davis Payne, uh, Joe yeah. Sacco, Tom Rowe, who was my first pro coach in, in the American League. Um, the list really goes on and on. Even some of the assistants that turned to head coaches that are now NHL assistants, whatever the case may be, um, I, I, I started to kind of get the itch that 
this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to stay involved, and, and if I could get into a coaching capacity at junior at the junior level and, and try to work my way into into where I'm sitting here today, um, that's what I wanted to do. So I, I was real fortunate there and, and had a lot of drive and passion towards the coaching side of things. Um, and then I think once you kind of get your foot in the door with that, it's up to you on how you evolve as a as a as a person and as a coach for those players and, and kind of see where your career goes. I, I don't, I never thought I'd be sitting here and, and be in the national hockey league and working for such a great organization, um, to start my, my coaching career at this level. Um, but I was, I was real fortunate to, to learn from good people, whether I was a player or as an assistant coach and going through junior and whatnot. Um, and I always tell people ultimately at the end of the day, the, the people you learn the most from are the players you coach. They, they teach you daily. Every day is different. That's what I love about the job. And uh, I got a new set of players here that I'm looking forward to working with, and I'll learn it f- a ton from them as much as they'll probably learn from me. Yeah, that was one of the things that struck me when we had a phone conversation in June was you mentioning that, that you, you, you know, I, I like to ask guys, coaches, who, who which coaches had, you know, the, the most yeah. impact or effect on them. And you, you had mentioned that you learn more from, from players. Can you throw us an example of that from, from maybe your uh, your recent history in the, the American League where, where you can illustrate that for us a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, no different than the players in, in terms of how this league or, or I'm not saying league, the game has evolved itself. Yeah. As a coach, you've got to evolve. And so – you know, you you just learn you learn different things from players how how they tick how what makes them tick um, and every player is different what they need in terms of tutelage from a coach the relationship component between players and coach um, it's really really changed and and even you know I'm going in my 13th year of coaching hockey whether it's junior or pro level um, I've seen a huge difference and and so for me. You know, I again, I, I just enjoy coming to the rink, and and you know, there might be, I, I wouldn't say crisis that day, but there might be something that somebody needs a certain touch, and in, in terms from a coach to a player relationship, that you know, through video or just a conversation about life, how's your family doing, yeah. whatever the case may be, that wasn't like that a long time ago, right? It was just, it was all business. You walked through the door, it was hockey, and that was the end of it. You go home, you reset. You didn't know where you stood. The game's changed. You got to make sure guys understand. You can be honest with players, in my opinion, um, but they just got to understand that you know you have their best we- uh, well-being at, at heart, and, and you want to make them better, and, and ultimately our team better. I mean, that's one of the things that fascinates me is I think that over the last few years there's been a, a little bit of a turn towards younger guys um, coaching in in the in the NHL, probably probably all around. I've, it probably happens every fifteen or twenty yeah. years or so. I think fans have a perception that there's these handful of coaches that just get recycled and yeah. they go from one team to the other. But, you know, when you look at the history of the game, the 10 guys who've coached the most games in the NHL, five of them never played yeah. in, in the league. So half of them. And it, it just seems to me that, that especially uh, I'm, I'm really excited and intrigued to see how things play out here in Washington this season where the team is coming off its first playoff miss in, in a decade. Um, it's one of, if not the oldest teams in the league, and it's going to have one of, if not the youngest coaching staffs in the league. And the other interesting dynamic is essentially you're going to have the same team here that didn't make the playoffs last year, and they're all going to be a year older. I think the, the infusion of youth in the coaching staff is exactly what this team needs. And you had mentioned 
the importance of relationships when you when you only have that you know from mid June to mid September period of time. What's gone into to kind of touching base, particularly with those those six or eight or twelve defensemen yeah. in the organization that you're going to be primarily working with. But I mean, your experience you've you you've run power plays, you've coached with Hockey Canada. I mean, you've got a real broad base here, as yeah. as we've alluded to earlier. So. I'm sure your your interactions aren't just going to be limited to those those defensemen. No, um, you know, going through the process to this point with with carbs and and obviously uh, Mac here in, in terms of uh, putting myself in this position here to join the organization was, you know, obviously you sell yourself as a coach and and whatnot, and they do their homework on you as a coach. And um, you know, when I got hired. Um, you know, I, I, I connected, obviously, with the defenseman right away, knowing that that was going to be my role and my responsibilities here and, and kind of start a little bit of a dialogue. Real basic. I mean, just introductions. How's your family? You know, how big's your family? Whatever the case may be. Some guys have kids, some don't. Yep. Um, you know, we got a unique blend, especially on the back end, with some, some younger defensemen mm-hmm. and some veteran guys. Um, and then you touch base with all the other players. Again, I, I'm one of those coaches that tries not to bug the players too much on their off seasons. That's their time. Um and whatnot, but now that I'm here and I see some of the guys around the rink, you know, go say hi. I think once we get into it, um, it, it'll be different. I haven't been an assistant coach for for some yeah. time now, and and so, um, you know, I'm getting my my bearings under me here in terms of my role and my responsibility on our staff. I personally feel real fortunate to have uh, a staff that obviously, you know, you look at Scotty Allen, who's, who's coached at all sorts of levels yep. and had success. And obviously carbs last few years being in the national hockey league with, with Toronto and, and then obviously Kirk Muller and, and Leo and Emily back there and, and Scotty Murray. Like for me personally, I, I'm going to be learning the NHL game too, the schedule, the travel, um, you know, utilizing our time, being efficient as a staff, um, I like to think I'm a little biased, obviously, to the group we have back there in our coaching staff. That our our youthfulness, um, our experiences will will help our group. Um, but that's a prideful, prideful group of players back there, and you know it's not lost on them that they didn't make the playoffs last year and want to get back there. And and it's all our job and our responsibilities to to make sure that we're making a push in a tough division, tough conference here, to try to get back and and be a part of those 16 teams that are fighting for that Stanley Cup again. Did you spend a lot of time or much time over the the summer just watching film and trying to familiarize yourself with the tendencies of of the guys that you're going to be working with? Yeah, I mean, we're going to obviously be implementing some different things um, as a staff that might, you know, be a little bit of a different taste for for the players. Um, Obviously, we'll get into that here in the next 10 days or so once we get camp going. Um, but you know, I, I, you know, we had homework assignments that carbs gave us to kind of pick, pick away at throughout the summer. And, you know, for me really focusing on the defensemen and some of their tendencies individually or as a group and how we want to play. But I think that's going to change and evolve here as we go along. Um, just real excited to get on the ice, you know, even just to pop out and watch them skate and stuff like that and say hi to the guys. It gives you the itch to get out there and and really start to dive into the nuts and bolts of how we want to play and, and where we need to get to. And as a guy who's been an assistant coach and a head coach at the WHL level and a head coach at the AHL level, obviously you know the value and the importance of, of development. But it's, it seems like right now, too, there's, I mean, just the, the the whole pandemic thing that we come out of, I feel like guys 
guys' development got arrested a little bit yeah. um, for various reasons and, yeah. you know, lack of – just lack of reps, really. Yeah. Um, but there's an opportunity there, I think, too, for, for, for some development at this level. The, the fact that there's a flat cap and the need to introduce cost-controlled talent into yeah. your lineup – I mean, I don't think the D core is is going to necessarily have an influx yeah. of of that this season, but I think it's going to be important here for the next couple of years until until we get past this this group of players who who were affected by all of that. I think there's some opportunity for some some guys who are maybe a little bit of sleepers and they just need maybe to to encounter the right the right voice, the yeah. right coach, the right mind that can give them the push that they need. Yeah, I mean, I think as a staff, we're going to put a big focus on, on the skill development component. Whether you're a veteran player or a young player, I mean, there's little skills within the game that, that you got to have. And, you know, there's lots of skill in that dressing room, but they're they're hungry. They want to get better still. They, they you know, again, we want to get back to the playoffs, but there's little skills within the game that we want to be better at. And then, and then obviously, you know, one guy I'm missing here is Kenny McCudden, too. Yeah. You know, full-time first, skills coach. First time in franchise history there, exactly. too. Exactly. But that's where the game's evolved. Yeah. And so to have Kenny around and his expertise and, you know, in his career in the National Hockey League and what he provides, that's going to be a huge asset to our organization, too. And, and I'll be learning from him and what he's teaching. We'll have that, that you know, dialogue in behind closed doors in terms of, hey, can we work on this today with this guy? He needs a few reps here. Um, I think that's going to be really important, and and that's the thing that Carbs has really come in here and, and you know wants to utilize that way, and and then that's that's just the on ice component. The 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 off ice component is the individual component of of showing video, you know your shifts, clips, little things in the game here based on the schedule and how much you can and and instill in, in these players. I think that's going to be maybe something that's a little different from the players. I, I can't speak on on Lavi in terms of what they did last year. Um, but that's what we're going to implement, and I think the players will really enjoy just having a little more one-on-one time uh, with a coach in terms of seeing their game. I think you're 100% right. I, the, the conversations I have with two or three of the players the day or two after the season ended, I got the sense that they were pretty hungry, and the, these are veteran guys, leadership guys, that specifically mentioned that it would be good to have a dedicated skills person here to – to, to help with that and and just the monotony of a seven month season with eighty two games and just to switch it up a little yep. bit I think I think guys were looking for a little bit of a breath of fresh air and I think that you guys are in a position to provide that yep. and you know when we talked in in June um one of the other dynamics I think here is is that you guys you and carbs um, even Kirk to to a um, to a much lesser extent, yeah. aren't that far removed from, yeah. and mostly in his case because he played so long, you yeah. guys aren't that far removed from your own playing careers. And I feel like that, that that's something that, that, that these guys being an older group would yeah. benefit from. I think so. If you look at the dynamic of our coaching staff back there, it's it, there's, a, there's a ton of energy, a ton of personality, and a, a lot of communication. And I, I think that's going to be really key. Um, it's a long hockey season. I don't, I don't care what level you're at. Uh, things drag out. There's dog days. There's tough days. Um, it's tough to win. Um, I, I think, you know, having that reset button too. You know, we might have a tough night here and there. And, yeah. and 
but making sure we're walking through the door with the right attitude to get better than that that particular day I think that's going to be key and that falls on us as a coaching staff and we recognize that and you know it's it's um it's very um natural for our staff to be that way as we go along here because that's our personalities and and hopefully it's infectious with with our group and and we got a ton of personality in that dressing room too so I think it you know hopefully it's a good match made in heaven well and I think too you you we we've mentioned your broad-based uh of experience but that's true of Emily and that's true of Brett um everyone back there so so I I feel like like you say, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of wisdom on that staff. There's a lot of experience, and there's a lot of variety yep. of experience. What, what goes into because you know when, when we in the media talk about chemistry, it's it's typically the players on the ice. But I feel like it's important. I mean, at my level, the, the people that I work with day to day, we have good chemistry, and, and it's it's built up over years. But I feel like it's important for you guys too. I feel like it's it's important in the front office, in the hockey ops yeah. area. What goes into to building that? I think you just touched on a couple of those things. Communication, obviously, is is primary. You gotta yeah. you gotta have the feeling that your voice will be heard when yeah. you, when you do share something that that you've encountered along. The, along your years in the game yeah you know what it, it's we're still a little early here obviously as a staff we just met all week we'll meet next week again before we kind of kick things off but you know we're still getting to know each other a little bit um the one thing i can say about carbs is he's organized he he, he works his ass off and he's detailed and as a coach on a staff like that that's all you ever want to know you want to know what your job is what what you're responsible for um when when we're having conversation. There's, you know, your opinion. You, you're going to throw your opinion, and Carbs is looking for it. When he when he asks, don't just sit there on your hands and 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 don't say anything. It's, you know, put your arm up and say, hey, this is this is my thoughts. Again, when you're in the assistant role, you give your input. At the end of the day, the head coach makes the final decision. But I know as a head coach, when I was in the American League or in junior, I, I'd ask my staff all the time about different things. I, I want to know. I want to know. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. But I want to know, and I know I need to make that final decision. But you can see the dynamic back there. It's very organized. Everybody knows, um, you know, for me coming in with new gaming system that we got to learn in terms of uh, teaching the players. Uh, Stretch has been great teaching us. Emily's been great uh, pointing us in the right direction. Rob Tillotson, I mean, everybody's been great yeah. to just kind of, you know, help ease the transition for me personally. Uh, Kirk, uh, Kenny, you know, the, the new guys on staff. Um, but we, we're going to have a good dynamic back there and, and we're going to work our butts off to, to try to make sure that we're in the best position possible and our players are having good seasons and, and ultimately some t- team success. One of the things I wanted to ask you about too is a guy that you had the last couple of years who's going to be in camp here this year that the Caps signed over the summer, Matthew Phillips. Um, a, smaller, a smaller guy to be sure, but man, he's had two really good seasons in the uh, in the American League, and he looks like he, I mean, a couple of 30-goal seasons. What can you tell us about this guy? And he's had a, a couple of games um, with the Flames as well. Yeah, Matt, um, uh, he's, he's outside of Dustin Wolf last couple of years in Calgary and, and Stockton. Um, he's been our best player uh, many nights. And you know what? Uh, the best way for me to describe him is he's a gamer. I mean, this this kid's 150 pounds at five foot seven on on a on a heavy and a tall day, um, but he goes to the hard areas. 
you know, uh, which is, is not something you see every day. You know, he's got 30 goals in back-to-back seasons. I would say probably 25 of them or 20 of them in each, each season are within 10 feet of the net. Wow. And so he he's intelligent. Um, he sees the game. He's got a high level of hockey IQ. Um, and he's a competitor. And I, and I think that's why you've seen the success he's had at the American Hockey League level. Um, obviously, I was a little biased and, and, and happy that, you know, sure. he, he took a chance at a different organization. And, and, you know, he wants to make the National Hockey League. He wants to push for a job. And, um, you know, I, I think he's real excited to come here and, and kind of showcase his talents and what he can provide. And uh, I'm excited to see him here again and see how he looks here in camp. And there's certainly some spots in in the lineup, um, especially up front, that are, you know, in flux or yep. potentially available for a guy who can kick the door down for sure. Um, when, when Spencer was here last week, we talked a little bit about kind of the evolution of the game and how it's always changing. And his take was that, you know, it seems like they're they're finally moving towards offense a little bit, and and we've seen the uptick in scoring here the last couple of years. You get more hundred point guys, more pucks going into the net. Uh, and when you look at the history of the game, there aren't too many teams who win the Stanley Cup without being in the top third of the league in in goals against. Which obviously this team was not last season. Um, what goes into defending right now in this league? Which is obviously kind of tilting in the in the opposite direction. Yeah. For me, it's a mindset. I mean, it, it, if you're as a team are willing to commit yourself to your play away from the puck, you'll be a good defensive team. I, I I'm, you know, every coach is going to have their structure and this and that, and you you hope your players in the right spots and this and that, but. But if you're as a player, if you're not thinking that that's um, important to your day, you're just going to be an average hockey team. That's my personal opinion. That's kind of how I've coached the teams I've coached. Is you know, hey, when we have the puck, we want to be creative. We want to have a certain way we do things offensively. Um, we want to manage the puck. It's hard to get the puck back from from teams. And and then when we don't have it, we got to be in the right spots. We got to have good fundamentals, good habits. And we've got to have the right work away from the puck to get it back so we can go play offense. And there's plenty of guys in that, that locker room that have had unbelievable careers, uh, Hall of Fame careers offensively, and, and, and have won. Um, but I, I think we need to, you know, we need to go back to kind of the basics in terms of how hard we need to work away from the puck um, so we can have success that way and, and try to be a real good team statistically and analytically in both areas and, and, and then hopefully have some success that way. What do you see as, as your career path? I mean, it, it seems like when, I mean, when you just look at your, your resume, it looks like this, this is being an assistant coach uh, for an NHL team is, is the next step in your career trajectory. And then the step after that would be, you know, to, to be – head coach in the NHL yeah um I don't know like to be honest with you Mike I've my whole career I've been a bit of an underdog guy uh, you know whether I was a player uh coach uh all I've tried to do is whatever whatever job I was assigned or whatever job I was hired for it was just do a good job and learn the game learn learn from the people around you players coaches um teammates and, and whatever happens, happens. That's kind of my, my mindset. That's kind of how I live my life uh, day to day. Um, 
I, I just again I'm I'm so appreciative of of the opportunity to be in this organization. Um, you know, getting hired here by Spencer and 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 Mac and the organization again is a dream come true for me. Um, and I just want to keep evolving and learning as a coach. And again, if it happens one day, I'm an NHL head coach. Great. I'm excited to be an assistant coach again, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, just have a little bit of a different relationship with the players. Obviously I'm responsible for my areas and I've got to be firm and direct and honest and, and work with the players there and in, in terms of getting our defensemen better, but just being around the rink, having a coffee, talking to the guys, asking them how their, how their day's going. What do, what do you got planned after the day with the kids? Um, that stuff I miss. I think as a head coach, it's a little different, you know. And sure. it is, as much as you, you, you kind of as a head coach, you still want to have that relationship with the players. It is different. So now being an assistant, you can kind of sit back a little bit and, and indulge in that that aspect of it because that's kind of what I was as a player. I was just a team guy. I probably didn't shut up too much, uh, and and you know I'm I'm a bit sarcastic at times, but um, I'm excited to be here and 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 extremely honored to be part of the organization. Well, last thing before we let you go, and you've alluded to your your playing career a number of times, and obviously it was a struggle for you uh, at, at times, but it seems, and I don't want to say it's it's been easy because there's nothing easy about this game ever at all, but it seems like you, you didn't have a, a whole lot of struggles since you went behind the bench. You, you you've had a real nice career progression. I mean, you've won coach of the year in the American league, both years you were in there, but do you feel like this, does this feel more comfortable to you than, than playing did? It just seems like this, this is a better fit yeah. for you or, or that, that you're able to, I don't know, you just seem really equipped for this. Whereas you, you've mentioned a, a number of times that, yeah, 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 I was a good team player, but I just, I didn't have necessarily yeah. what it took to get to where I wanted to go. But it, it seems like that's not the case here with the coaching gig. Yeah. Um, I think as a player, you obviously have aspirations and dreams to, to get to the National Hockey League as a player. And obviously I wasn't able to fulfill that. Um, so I just tried to learn, learn about the game as I went along uh, in junior and, and professionally. Um, and then I got into coaching again, just not really knowing how long I was going to do it for or, or where it was going to lead me. Um, but I think once I kind of, you know, I was assistant coach for seven years in Everett and then got a chance to be head coach in Saskatoon for the first time. Um, I started to get, you know, the, the itch or the hunger as a coach that, okay, I, I didn't, I, I didn't fulfill my dream here. I'm fulfilling my dream here in Washington to, to start my career as a, as an NHL coach. Um, and so I just, my path was a little bit different, but I, I truly enjoy coaching. I, I love working with players. I love coming to the rink and sitting in that coach's office and being a part of it, being around the game, being around people like yourself, the media, everybody. I, I just love the game and, uh, to be here and, and it is a dream come true for me. Um, but not something I ever really thought I'd ever get to. And But, uh, again, it's a huge honor and privilege to be part of the organization here in Washington and and looking forward to trying to chase down a Stanley Cup. Well, you've definitely earned your way here, and we're thrilled to have you here. And thank you very much for, for spending some time with us here today. And thanks, thanks for watching, and we'll see you on the next edition of Break the Ice. Superfood Performance Nutrition fuels the Washington Capitals players and staff on and off the ice.
Each bite is energy-packed, highly nutritious, and engineered to boost recovery time. When they're not feeding pro athletes, Superfood is bringing the same high-quality nutrition to offices nationwide through their flagship corporate meal program, Simply Lunch. So if you have a high-performance team that needs fueling, check out mysuperfd.com for more information.